the basics of person. There's two two versions, right? There's less and then less huge. Less huge. Okay. So right there is it eight teams? Is it over eight teams you can huge? Yeah, yeah, you talk about like under fifty people. Okay. And it's a more or less less space. Yeah. About that it's less Okay. So and the way that I typically describe it in comparison to some of the other scaling models is that this one is a little more rooted and a little more in line with what we would consider to be scrum, mm -hmm. traditional scrum. Um, a little more elegant. It seems a little more elegant to me than some of the other models out there. Mm -hmm. um, how long have you been working with it? I, I got involved in probably one of the first test functions uh, back to like, 2007. Okay. Yeah, and, and lock and handbooks. Okay. So and you've been working with Boss for a while. At, at, and Craig. And Craig, so. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just thinking in terms of the company. Right? So yes. Yeah. So you work at ID. Yeah. And well, at that time, I think I worked for Nokia with Networks. Okay. So uh, I got that uh, first hand experience uh, by. Uh, actually, I would, at that time, thought I'm an agile coach. I, I am now. Okay. But at that time, I was uh, kind of leading one of the departments okay. under one part, which is uh, probably one of the first last cases. Okay. And and less comes from I don't know I'm gonna mess up Boss's last name Boss Morgan yes and Craig Mark so they put together a model for scaling that if you come out of a Scrum background you want to stay with that instead of adopting a whole lot of other stuff this would let you stay pretty close to them mm -hmm. for the most part um, but the thing that's weird about your talk mm -hmm. is that it's rooted in Scrum and you're talking about creating a scaling model in an organization without using Scrum. Yeah, you know, uh, as I said, that uh, one of the last principles is God uh, less is Scrum. Right. Then uh, I just found that. That's so like ice cream without ice cream. cream. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, chicken with chicken. Yeah, less is Scrum, but uh, in our experience, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, there's no pop Scrum implementation at the team level. Okay. So, like, most visible thing would be, okay. uh, would be there's no scrum master. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you about because that was in, in reading through stuff. Mm -hmm. You're starting out, you want to do this again, they don't actually have scrum you can work with. No. So you gave the example of no scrum master, mm -hmm. maybe multiple product owners, I know that's something we talked mm -hmm. about as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they've got maybe some scrum practices in place, but they're not actually really doing scrum. Uh, they are not, they will not do scrum, they will. Uh, they were doing iterations. Okay. So that uh, even with that, they don't have forever iteration. They don't need to potentially ship more part increment. So okay. So they work in time boxes, but they're not. No, not okay. really. Yeah. Okay. So. So uh, so we started with uh, uh, well, probably I explain a bit why this kind of mess with us. So uh, we pretty much uh, adopted a less regarding all those organization design elements. Okay. So for example, we uh, created one single product backlog and create future teams, all the teams who are working on for the same product backlog. And those, those are quite uh, significant elements from last. So uh, we pretty much adopted them all, but uh, uh, we didn't, uh, as I said, we didn't uh, Introduce Scrum Master role and we capture the traditional team view role. Okay. 
So uh, every team, every feature team, be that all feature teams. When you say feature team, can you just explain what that is? So I, I know yeah. That anyway. So uh, when I talk about feature team, it means that uh, for any item or requirements, that uh, any team can take that and work on that end to end and make that deliverable by the end of the term. So take a post-it and turn it into a shippable product, which means you've got to have all the elements. We're not talking about the thing where the dysfunctional thing where the design scrum team delivers work at the end of sprint to the development scrum team and with their and their sprint delivers in QA scrum team that's not scrum. Yeah, no. Is that cross-functional? It's cross-functional and also cross-component. I see there are two different dimensions here. Okay. So uh, quite often people always think about the uh, cross-functional yeah. dimension, but the cross-domain really makes the team being able to work from end to end. Okay. And in your experience report, how big are those teams? Well, the first, actually there are two cases uh, in my experience report. The first case was uh, about 40 people. Okay. So it's a typical less case. Okay. And the second case is uh, kind of small, less huge. It's uh, like uh, 100 people. Okay. So involving two requirement areas. So requirement areas, again, is a, a scaling technique in mass. Okay. When you say 40 people or 100 people, are you talking about one single group of 48 people that takes a post-it as a team, swarms on it, and gets it shippable? Or are you breaking those 48 people up into a bunch of cross-functional? Actually, there, yeah. So 48 people is a whole group. Okay. Then we uh, did some organizational design to create future teams out of that. Okay. So uh, for the first case, 48 people would create 60. Okay, and, but if for each team, they are all cross-functional and uh, cross-component, so they are able to take icon uh, for granted. Now, when I looked through your materials, it looked like those teams, you gave some examples of different kinds of teams, because there were, I think, five different types of work that would happen, mm -hmm. and each team was built to handle different cross-sections of those work. Yeah, it's like, uh, before the change, they were specialized uh, with uh, different domains. Okay. So if we like the database team, uh, not really. It's okay. a it's a it's a more custom centric domain. Okay. But then once you put all the domains work or request into the same backup, yeah, you will notice that uh, the, the work mounting not even across domains, right? Okay. So in that case, we like to create some flexibility so that we at any time we can always work on the highest priority stuff. Okay. Uh, so uh, if, when you started, uh, let's first you know forget about the cross-functional part. Sure. We only focus on the cross-domain part. For that part, uh, if you think about four teams of responsible for four different domains, yeah, right. Then uh, in that case, uh, if uh, requests are coming from different domains with different priority, you you, you can only optimize that within that domain, right? Yeah. But then after the change, we create those cross-domain uh, teams. Okay. So that one team can work on multiple domains. So that whatever is coming down, they can find it. Right, right. right. But what's interesting was uh, uh, if you get all kind of full cross-domains, so any team can work on items from any right. domain, that's, uh, that's kind of sufficient, but not necessary. Okay. The goal is yeah, yeah. Uh, the goal is really to enable we can follow a single priority, right? 
That's a, that's a really interesting way of saying because I think a lot of people, even at the cross-functional level, mm -hmm. I have to get everything like mm -hmm. this. You found a way to do it where they are sort of specialized mm -hmm. in those cross-sections. Right. It's a, but it's a, uh, it's broader than one single domain. Right. So actually, because uh, later when we did that team restructure, we did that in a self-designing way. So management actually sets the minimum constraint. For that part, management set the constraint so that uh, any team, kind of cross-domain team or cross-functional team, and need to be able to at least work on three or two to three domains. So in total, there are four domains, right? So, but the, the constraints management set in forming these uh, teams was uh, every team need to work on two to three domain. For any domain, there must be three capable teams. Okay. So that kind of already uh, sufficient. And, and, and then it costs the organization, you know, time, money, everything to get the teams to that place. But when they get there, they have mm -hmm. a lot more freedom. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, in the same way we want a cross-functional team so they can care for each other, now all multiple teams can handle the different work. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of a trade-off because you can also set a constraint by saying that any team need to be able to work on any domain, right? Right. But, but that really one quick, yeah. It, it, on one hand, you, you probably don't need that flexibility. On the other hand, it creates short-term stress on the team because you need to uh, learn a lot more when you need to cross all the domains, right? Yeah, and we'll, and I would imagine they have to keep going back and like making sure that everybody with a certain frequency was working in each domain and maintaining the knowledge. Right, right, right. So that and that would be cost as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's true. So. When you started out, you mentioned it was the, not having a scrum master. Was mm -hmm. it What were the pieces that were missing from scrum? Uh, actually, the scrum master thing is uh, uh, if you're talking about a company on the spot, uh, the it's a coaching is a very foreign concept for them. Okay. So it's like uh, after I explain to them a lot of times, uh, they still concluded that by saying you know scrum master didn't do any real work. So it's like, then of course I can try to con convince them to... Uh, but you, you have to show them, they have to see it. Right. Before they yeah, but you know, uh, in, I think what made them most uncomfortable was uh, the idea of team taking the collective ownership yeah. or collective responsibility. So they, they were a lot more comfortable or they actually insist that there must be one person accountable for the team. Performance. Okay. So, so, so performance, not the shippable product. You're talking about the way the teams work. Uh, performance. I mean, I'm talking about it, uh, when they are able to deliver the potential shippable product. Okay. I mean, the, I, the, the reason I'm asking is because mm -hmm. I would say that the scrum master's job is to deliver the high-performing team. Mm -hmm. The product owner's job is to deliver the product that we ship. Mm -hmm. And you're it sounds to me like you're talking more about the scrum master side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know. Uh, it's uh, like they, they want to, but if we if we think about a scrum master, right. scrum master is a, a, like coaching role. He's not directly responsible for the delivery, right? Right. So in that case, uh, it's uh, it's very hard for them to accept that concept. Okay. You know, uh, but we uh, I help them realize that in their context, uh, actually, no one demands that uh, uh, 
specific way, like command control way yeah. of leading teams. Right. So uh, a lot of the team is performing. Uh, you oh, know, okay. the individual team leaders actually have their own choice. Okay. Yeah. So uh, by focusing on getting the team structure right, getting the uh, you know work design right, right. I mean that by getting all the work into the same priority, then uh, for each team we kind of for. Uh, Go. We went and visit them and show to them that how to like facilitate daily scrum so that uh, the team itself can become more and more self-organizing. Okay. Some of the team leaders, individual team leaders, feel that uh, you know it opens uh, different possibility for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. They start to get interested. Okay. So kind of created the demand for us uh, to go and contribute. Okay, all right. Okay. And so, uh, in the end, get them where they're wanting more. Yeah, okay. in the end, uh, we, we found that, because uh, in the first case of that, so we had six teams. Right. And we found that uh, uh, at least half of them, uh, instead of talking about self organizing, yeah. it's actually pretty good, even though they're no swamas, they're still okay. traditional teenagers. But it's kind of how would you describe the difference between the team leader and the scrum? I, I would say, uh, so first day, a lot of people will treat the traditional team leader equal to like command control, yeah, which is not true, I would say, right? It's just a, a different way. But then, uh, if you think about Scrum Master's job, Scrum Master also has a job of creating real working team, right? Yeah. So from that perspective, it shares the same problems. Sure. So to me, the most difference, or the, the most critical difference would be the, the uh, Scrum Master is not directly responsible for the theory. Okay. It's a coaching one, right? That relates to um, some sort of power balance. When, right. you, when you put that direct responsibility to the Scrum Master, to the coach, yeah. actually it reduces his effectiveness. Why so? Because that he gets the pressure and of uh, short term delivery. Okay. Then uh, you know, you, you when you want this working, then you put more pressure. Actually, okay. it slows down, right? Yeah. It actually uh, brings more damage, right? So uh, this is kind of interesting thing. So, uh, I do think that when you uh, you are kind of kept accountable directly for the team performance of right. the results. Uh, it's a lot harder to focus on this uh, coaching for the capability. Yeah, yeah you can right? drive them through. Right, right. Yeah. It's a lot hard to make the trade off. Okay. So, uh, so that's uh, to me that's the most difference. That's a, it's subtle, but it's yeah. about for the individuals in that world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Then in that uh, case, uh, because that uh, I found that uh, you know people are different. Talking about all the individual team leaders, yeah, you cannot expect that all of them would jump into uh, you know transforming themselves, right? So uh, I would say uh, when first we focus on the organization design, make sure that uh, the team plus the team leader they are kind of safe, self-contained in delivering items, okay, right? Then uh, among them we we kind of focus on those uh, individual team leaders who are more open. Okay. In learning a different way of making things. Okay, cool. So this, how long were you working on this project? The, the experience. Uh, actually, because we had 
it's, it happened uh, during the year of 2015 to 2016. Yeah. So that year and a half. And I'm assuming it was fairly su successful because you're going to be able to report it, right? Yeah, at least from their, their uh, internal perspective, they feel that uh, with the success. So they actually, it, what's interesting is that they promoted one of the uh, actually the leader for that unit right. uh, to be. To Actually, bigger unions, and later, if I find me back to do the kind of similar thing to go over there, table. that's yeah. great. Okay, cool. So, if people want to read the white paper, they can get on the Agile Alliance website. I think so. And on the Sigurd Experience Report, so yes, and it's also, I'm assuming, on Adi. Uh, not yet, but I'm going to Adi. Cool. All right, what if they want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Uh, just send me an email. What's your email? Uh, L-V at odd-e.com. Cool. Yeah, thanks for coming. It was really great talking to you. Thank you. And keep watching. We're doing interviews like this all week long with the speakers and thought leaders so you can find out what's happening here at Agile 2017. Thanks.